Thank you, Sammy and Jacob, for leading us in worship with song. We have sung God's truths. We have prayed God's truths. We've read it in the reading through the Psalms. Now let's hear God's truth from His Word. So if you would, please take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 144. Psalm 144, as we finish up our summer series in the Psalms. It is a psalm that David wrote. It is part of Book 5, the last section of the Psalter. May God use His Word for our good this morning as we set our sights on the great truths found here in His Word. This is a psalm of David. Blessed be the rock, the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David his servant from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons in their youth be like plants fully grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. God, as we turn now to the preaching of your word, I pray that you will open eyes and more importantly, open hearts. Father, help us to not only see the truth, but to yearn for the truth, to embrace the truth of your word. God, help us to see your son in all that he is. Lord, help me not to speak in error this morning, but through me, may I be an instrument of your grace and your mercy and this wonderful gospel message that you've given us. It's in your name. Amen. In this psalm, David says twice, Rescue and deliver me. 
first in verse 7, and then again in verse 11. Rescue and deliver me. And then the psalm ends in verse 15, repeating, blessed are the people. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. These phrases being mentioned one time should be enough for you and I to consider them. Just one time in the psalm would be enough for us to say, this is God's Word, this is truth, may I ponder on this. But when these truths are repeated in the same psalm, we need to pay close attention. It's really important for us to hear. God is telling us something, and we better not miss it. We need rescued and delivered. Every person here, whether you're at the building, you're listening to the live stream, every person alive, every person needs rescued and delivered. We are all in need of salvation. And the other amazing truth is the only people who are blessed are those whose God is the Lord. The need for rescue means that you're trapped. You're in bondage of some kind, kept from experiencing real life and freedom. And God, who David turns to, a God who rescues and delivers, He blesses His people. What a sobering reality for all of us. We need rescued. Yet, what a glorious truth here for all believers. God blesses His people. Two wonderful truths in the same psalm. Now, blessed here means simply happy in verse 15. In J.C. Ryle's book, Practical Religion, chapter 10 is entitled, Happiness. The verse he references is verse 15 of this psalm. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. God rescues His people and He makes them happy. God rescues His people and He makes them happy. Only Christians can turn to Psalm 144 and pray this song and are made happy. Only they have been delivered and are blessed. Only they have hope that God will answer them. And only they can do this through Jesus Christ. We don't dare do this on our own. It's through Jesus Christ. Now this psalm, Psalm 144, has a lot of parallels with Psalm 18. Take some time later today to read through that psalm. In Psalm 18, David wrote a song about God rescuing him from all his enemies, especially 
from Saul. Your translation of Psalm 144 doesn't have any other description than for it to say it's of David. That's all that we're told, that David wrote this psalm. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, says that David wrote this psalm about Goliath, the great Philistine giant, that great encounter that he had. There's a lot of this psalm that would seem to fit David confronting Goliath. If, in fact, this psalm is about David and Goliath, then there's a direct link to the Gospel which takes us directly to Jesus Christ. Some wrongly think that the story of David and Goliath is about God helping you overcome the giants in your life. Many of you know Matt Chandler, pastor of Village Church, has famously said at a very loud volume, I won't do this morning, that you are not David. You're not. We cannot put ourselves into David's place. We are not the anointed one who saves God's people. We can't even be King Saul in that story. Many of us would want to then be King Saul, a warrior king. Saul was a head taller than all the other Israelites, yet he wouldn't face Goliath either. He needed someone to face Goliath for him. In that story of David and Goliath, you and I are the Israelites who are cowering in fear. We have the fear of being defeated. We need rescued. Someone who will come and deliver us from this pending destruction. We need the Lord's anointed to come. And the Gospel tells us that Jesus, the Lord's anointed, came to save sinners like you and I. And we are blessed when we are with Him. So we learn to pray like David here in this psalm. We turn to God to be liberated and to be happy. In this prayer, David was in some kind of struggle. He was surrounded on all sides. His enemies were pressing in hard and he looked to God to save them. There are several stanzas or sections in this psalm. You'll see it there in your psalm with the different breaks there. The last section, David is looking to the future like a vision of a day when all of his enemies are beaten. The people are flourishing and they are happy. Continuing J.C. Ryle, he said, If you encounter someone who has different views of spirituality and religion, ask them this. Ask them if they're happy. The greatest test of faith and religion is, does it make you happy? Again, J.C. Ryle says, The heart cannot be right 
in the sight of God which knows nothing of happiness. Even though David was engaged in a war, some kind of battle, he was committed to the Lord. He knew who God was. He knew that God was dependable and that only He makes His people happy. For us who've been brought up into Christ, who have been born again, we know that this life has its troubles. We have an enemy that seeks to derail us and wound us. He's crouching around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. And there's another enemy that seeks to take away your joy. The possibility of death and the cruel ways that surround it seem to rob God's people of the fullness of happiness. Yet, we have a deliverer. The the one that this psalm envisions, who fights our battles, who conquers our fears, who's already defeated Satan and death, who's conquered it, and he's given life and true happiness. It's not a circumstantial contentment with Christ. It's not some kind of conditional happiness based on how things go. It's a genuine, forever lasting joy that continues. Happiness is not free from all our struggles and sorrows. To follow Christ is not a detour from the pains of life. That means then that happiness is not all smiles and laughter. Happiness is when your deepest longings are filled. Happiness is when you are satisfied. It's when there's no wanting in the soul because it's fulfilled and it's at peace within. This Psalm of David is a king's prayer for the Lord's blessing on the well-being of the whole nation. He wants all of God's people, that includes you and me, to experience the happiness of God. What's being said to us is there is tremendous happiness in having God as your Lord and Savior. There is tremendous happiness and everlasting happiness in having God as your Lord and Savior. What a way to end our summer series in the Psalms. Amen? When you are surrounded, whether physically or spiritually, your happiness in God, the one you pray to for rescue, is where you reside. Let's look at this psalm. There are three main points I want us to see this morning. And not just acknowledge these truths and say, yes, I see that in the text, 
but to embrace it for yourself. To believe in, to stand on, and then live in these three wonderful truths. Happy are the people who recognize the sovereignty of God and the fleetingness of man. Happy are the people who depend on God for the rescue. And happy are the people who God sustains and satisfies. These truths are what God intends for His church. Real happiness that everyone searches for, every person on this planet is searching for happiness. And it's only found in what God provides right here in His Word. We hold the answers. Let's look at the first part in verses 1 through 4. Happy are the people who recognize the sovereignty of God and the fleetingness of man. Notice I did not say we give him or we ascribe to him his role. God is not some figment of the imagination. We recognize him. He is there for who he is. Whether you and I see it or not, God simply is. Remember, he says, I am, meaning my being is who I am. God is sovereign over all things. That includes our lives, our families, our church. Whether you recognize it or not, God is a sovereign, an absolute in-control God. Our happiness comes when our eyes are opened to this truth of God. Notice David's two descriptions of God here. He is my rock and my steadfast love, my hesed. The one who loves me because he's faithful to his covenant. That is steadfast love. My fortress, my stronghold, and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take Refuge. What's expressed here is that God is our protector. So to recognize God as sovereign over all things, that He's in control, means to recognize Him as your protector. He is our rock. The picture we're being given is that of one of stability and of unrivaled strength. God is unshakable. He's unmovable. David's saying here that everything else has its limits, but not God. Everything else we could turn to is fleeting. It will fade and it will weaken, but not God. God is my rock. God is being magnified here and everything else is shown for its insignificance. Happiness is only found in that solid rock. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 4 that Christ is that rock. 
He is the firm foundation upon which we stand, forever secure in the newness of life. He is that unmovable rock who satisfies. That's why we sing the great song, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Sorry, Sammy, I would have mentioned that to you ahead of time. That covenant love that protects us is assured in Christ. Also, what else is being said to us here? David says, The Lord trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He subdues peoples under me. It is not David who's able to win, but from the protection that God provides. David stands upright upon that solid rock. God keeps him sure. He gives David what he needs to fight the battles. God strengthens him for victory. God is an unbreakable rock who defeats all his enemies. When David is fighting, it's not David, it's God. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what Paul said about his salvation? It's not me, it's God in me. Don't think that David was some expert shot with a sling. It was God who aimed that stone and killed Goliath. It was God who had protected and prepared David as a shepherd, who had given him victory and had prepared him for this when he confronted the bears and the lions. David's skill was a gift from God. And just as God gave David victory and prepared him for war, so has Christ given you victory over sin and death. And that's to all who repent and believe in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. He prepares us for battle. It is not against flesh and blood that we battle, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our war that we are confronted in as brothers and sisters in Christ is a war that's already won. We fight a defeated enemy. Christ has subdued the devil in all his schemes, and he did it when he raised from the dead. His victory became then our victory. And He has trained us as His disciples to fight this war in the way that He fights. The steadfast, covenantal, foreverlasting love that He's given us is our strength and His gospel is our battle cry. He is our deliverer, our stronghold, our refuge. Our orders are to march to the ends of the earth into every aspect of our lives, proclaiming His victory until He takes us to Zion. Also, I don't want you to miss this. The word blessed in verse 1 
is not the same blessed in verse 15. In verse 15, I already told you, it means happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. In verse 1, it means honor. To kneel down and recognize God for who He is. For sure, happy are the people who bend their knees and honor God, who worship and adore Him. David then asks in verse 3 and 4, and rightfully so, why would God do this for His people? Who are we that He would provide and care for us? O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. The immediate reality that you and I are thrust into is the absolute sufficiency of God and the utter weakness and dependency of man. God has complete dominion in our lives. We are insignificant to His greatness. David says we are like a shadow that's created by the sun and then goes away. Shadows are not independent. They move as the sun moves. There's nothing in us that draws us to God. We are not so wonderful that God just had to care for you and I. He just had to have us. In fact, it's the opposite. You and I defile God. We are unholy creatures who defame and dishonor our God. We live as if He weren't even there. As if He's not the reason for our existence and our purpose for living. And yet, God includes us. He pities us. He has mercy and He gives His love to us. It's not that we're special and God has to have us. It's how incredibly wonderful He is and His love that He's given to us regardless of who we are, regardless of what we've done, regardless of our background. His glory in Christ given to people like us. That Christ would love us so much that He would endure the shame of the cross. He would take the punishment of the Father for you. It should humble us that God would have anything to do with us. On this Lord's Day, kneel in honor of God for the personal relationship He's given you through Jesus Christ. You and I are like shadows, but He's come to you and me. Thank Him for thinking of you, for Him being your rock and your refuge, your protector and your steadfast love. Next, David tells us, Happy are the people who depend on God for their deliverance. After recognizing the sovereignty and the omnipotence of God and man's frailty, his insignificance, David prays for God to intervene and rescue him. 
Here's what he's saying basically in verses 5 through 8. Because of who you are, God, reveal yourself. Show who you are. Display your awesome power for the mountains so all may see. Come and rescue me. Deliver me. I am trapped, stranded like waters all around me. Save me from people who are outside of your kingdom, who worship other gods, who are genuine. They may mean well, but they speak falsehoods about you. David has received strength. He's been prepared for battle. He's recognized the source is God who keeps His promises. He now further humbles himself and asks God to intercede and to save him. David continues to put his faith in God and look to Him for salvation. When we come to Christ, it is not a one-time experience. It's not a one-time experience. It is a continual act of humility. A confession that is constant. A constant confession of who He is. It's a life of repentance that says, only as I stay in Christ am I protected and saved. We put our trust in the Lord. We never stop putting our trust in the Lord. It's a new life that keeps trusting. It keeps believing. keeps repenting and depending on Christ. In other words, it's a daily repenting. It's a daily submitting and relying on Him for our life. Relying on Him for holiness, for love and mercy, for strength, for satisfaction, for everything about us. He delivers us from all that is foreign to Him. Happy are the people who humble themselves, who live in humility before God and turn to Him for rescue and refuge. It's a fight. It's not a one-time decision. It is a fight at times, a continual struggle to keep trusting Him and relying on Him. But the more we do it, the more we see God, that He's victorious, that He guards us, the more we'll be able to do this with David and then sing a song of praise that he does beginning in verse 9 to respond in thankfulness and adoration for being delivered. A new song that declares God's praises. David was praying for deliverance and was confident that God would come and help him. So he was already singing about it. He was already praising God. In verse 10, we learn why David sings. He says plainly, God gives the victory. He rescues us from the wounds of the devil's blows. Christ already took those blows. He already felt the cruel hand of the oppressor. And He bled for us. 
And now those of us in Christ, we have victory from all of God's enemies. And so we sing. We sing. We give Christ the praise and the honor even in the midst of our battles because He is triumphant and He stands and He blocks the attacks that are aimed right for us. What a Savior. In Revelation 5, we have that new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then the angels join in, and they sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wisdom and wealth and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea says to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. Andrew Peterson put this this passage into an awesome song entitled, Is He Worthy? It ends with this great line. He is. Christ is worthy of our praise because He's victorious. He redeems people by His blood. He cleanses them with that blood. He gives them life with that blood. And He strengthens us in that blood. And He makes us happy because of His blood. He is worthy The last point of this psalm, which covers verses 12 to 15, is this. Happy are the people who God sustains and satisfies. In this section, God asks, David asks God to bless his people. He knows that God delights to bless his people. God gives to his people so much. David asked God to bless his people in this world to provide for them and give them spiritual mercies and deliverance to make them truly happy within. He speaks of making the young men and women vibrant and healthy. We would miss out on so much if we just left it on the physical level, thinking that this is just a a physical health that he's talking about. It doesn't mean that we will never suffer physically. Rather, it's an internal strength that God puts in his people, and it never diminishes. We are vibrant. Paul has said, even though the outer body is wasting away, we're being renewed day by day. It never diminishes. Our sons are strong and rooted in the depths of God's Word and grow into full maturity into Christ. Our daughters are kept pure and they are shaped to be in the presence of the King of Kings on His throne. 
This happens through God revealing Himself to our sons and our daughters. Turning their hearts toward Him. Of them being taught of His greatness and His goodness. Of His worth being spoken of. Of His worth being sung about and praised and adored. What that then says, mom and dad, is what you do on Sunday morning matters. God is using you in the life of your children. It happens when they are in the midst of people who walk in His ways and praise His name. We look to Him for their strength and their contentment. May our children see that. May our children experience this in our church. When this happens, we are a blessed people. We are made truly happy. Parents understand that. It's not just us that we look after and we consider. It's our children. When we put them into God's care, and God embraces them, and He molds them, and He shapes them in His image, we are truly happy. Having no distress in the streets is experiencing true satisfaction and peace. This only happens for those who are in Christ. Those who are called and those who do call Him blessed Savior. Where they describe Him and intimately know Him is what we read in verses 1 and 2. Who are blessed with salvation and a covenant love that's never broken. The people of God are the ones, we are the only ones who have this and who remain in this. Only Christians are people who are truly happy. This is what J.C. Ryle says. What do I mean when I say the true Christian is happy? Has he no doubts and fears? Has he no anxieties and no troubles? Has he no sorrows and no cares? Does he never feel pain and shed no tears? Far be it from me to say anything of the kind. He has a body and that is weak and frail like other men. He has affections and passions like everyone born of a woman. He lives in a change-filled world. But deep down in his heart, he has a mine of solid peace and substantial joy, which is never exhausted. This is true happiness. Christians are people who really feel their sins. We know we are sinful. Christians are people who rest all our hopes in Jesus Christ and His atonement, who've been born again with new purpose for living and live spiritual holy lives, who are governed by the holiness of God and find joy in His righteousness. Christians have a happiness that is independent of our circumstances. Christians have a happiness that's independent and separated from this world. Happy because of our relation to God in Jesus Christ. 
our position with Him is one of innocence now. Us who are sinful, who is man that you would consider? We defile you, we dishonor you, but now because of Christ, we stand before the Father in innocence, not because of who we are, but because Christ has made us innocent before the Father. Our souls are full of peace and joy that's been given by our Lord and Savior. Truth is, there is no happiness in this world without Christ. Only Christ makes a person truly happy. Truly, you are blessed if you are in Christ. It doesn't matter. You can tell me the worst problems. You can tell me the worst experiences that you have gone through or are going through, but you are blessed if you are in Christ because you will never die. You will be brought into the presence of the fullness of peace a righteousness that we can't even fully fathom now, and a love that will never, ever fade. This is yours if you're in Christ. For all who forsake the pursuit of happiness in this world and who find refuge in Jesus Christ, they are rescued and delivered, and they are happy. Friend, if you don't know Christ, If you have not been saved, you can be rescued and delivered out of darkness. You can be rescued and delivered from all the pursuits of happiness in this world that you'll never find out of the pit of despair. And Christ can truly make you happy. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be washed clean and made new. Humble yourself today. Trust Him and praise His name. Isn't it wonderful being in the Psalms? I have truly enjoyed the series this summer being in the Psalms. The Psalter gives us so much reason to praise God and to trust Christ and to proclaim His glory. I hope you have enjoyed the series as much as I have. And that you will continue in the Psalms. Even though next week we're moving on from the Psalms, I hope that you'll continue in them, that you'll go back to them time after time, day after day, and be strengthened and encouraged and filled with reasons to trust and praise God. Our Lord and Savior has given us reason to be happy. He's given us reason to worship Him. And they never go away because He is our rock and our salvation. Let's pray.